I want you to dream with me for a minute. Think of this precious baby who sleeps well and never has colic and is a toddler that always says yes and grows to be a child who obeys all the rules and becomes a teenager who agrees with his or her parents, matures into a young adult and finds the perfect partner, and they have a pattern of peace and serenity throughout the rest of their lives. Have you ever wished for that? Have you ever had a moment, perhaps, at a beautiful wedding when you actually thought it might happen? We do dream like that. We expect, we would really like to have a problem-free life, wouldn't we? Dream on, because we all know that's a fairy tale, isn't it? It just doesn't happen. It didn't even happen to God's chosen people. God said to Abraham, if you will go to this land I have chosen, I will make of you a great nation. So Abraham went. He had one son. That son had two sons. It's a slow process to a great nation, isn't it? And finally, his, Abraham's grandson had 12 sons. Ah, now maybe we can have a great nation. But no, the land experiences famine. And the next thing you know, all of these descendants of Abraham wind up in Egypt and before very long become slaves for 400 years. Finally, they are rescued. Then they wander for 40 years before they go back and finally recapture the land, decide they need to live under the leadership of judges, and finally decide that doesn't work. So with Saul's help, they establish a kingdom. And then David brings that kingdom to its glory Finally, it looks great. 800 years later, this sounds like, this doesn't sound like a problem for your life, does it? And David shares this kingdom, of course, eventually with Solomon. And not long after that, Solomon loses, the, the people lose the kingdom. It is divided into two struggling little nations with 10 of those tribes is settling in the north, northern part of the country and two of the tribes settling in the southern part of the country. Two weaker nations. And before long, Assyria comes in and captures that northern nation and it so blends the populations that it really wipes out the ten tribes. They no longer exist in distinction. So now all we have left is Judah. Two tribes left over from Abraham's descendants. Twelve left in Judah. And Babylon comes in and takes them and sends many of them into exile. And this is God's chosen people? Wouldn't you hate to be on his unchosen list? So Judah winds up, many of the Jews wind up in, in Babylon for 50 years. That's the equivalent of two generations. Finally, they are released by the new leader and they go back home. And they have to rebuild their homes, the temple, the nation, start all over again in many ways. And it's at this point 
that someone called the teacher writes in the third century BC to these people, to these Jews in Judah, to try to encourage them and to say to them, God has a plan. And this plan is, uh, has not gone well, as you can see, because the people have repeatedly violated what he has asked them to do. But the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying to them, this is a, has been a very difficult journey, but, but God has work for you to do. He wanted them to understand that this has meaning for them. His words to the third century people are words to us in the 21st century as well. Life for the chosen people and for all people is not the problem-free life that I described earlier and that we dream about sometimes. And while all of us have those moments when we dream of happily ever after, it really doesn't happen, does it? Not even for God's chosen people, it didn't happen. Life is full of seasons. Seasons like the weather have dark sides and sunny sides. Although we have moments when we seem to expect that nothing is but rosy days are ahead, we all realize that soon we faced a very difficult season as well. And as the teacher reminds them and reminds us, there is hope. A time to be born, a time to plant, a time to heal, a time to build up, anticipation, hope, a time to look forward, a time to expect a hopeful future, a time to celebrate. There is hope. But he also is very honest. To be realistic, he says there's also a time to die. Every person who is born will also eventually die one day. And there's a time to pluck up what we have planted. Although we may not want it there, there's also a time to kill. And the word that the teacher uses here to, to, to use the word kill is the word they used for war. And the Israelites had had to go to war on several occasions. There's also a time to break down. Few things we build up last forever. They come apart or are torn down. So we have seasons of hope. We also have seasons of despair and gloom. And there are seasons of deep pain, a time to weep and a time to mourn. And th those are the times when our loss seems almost unbearable. We lose our job or our home or our health or a family member, and life seems unbearable. Our loss is so great that we will question how we can go on. We have times of deep, indescribable sadness. But the good news to the returning exiles in Judah and to us today is that the teacher says there's also a time to laugh and a time to dance. Remember those times when you were so happy that you just burst out laughing? Or do you remember what that feeling was like or what the joy was like when you were so happy that you, your body just started dancing, you were so happy? Life seemed so good and so exciting at those moments. We were filled with exuberance. We had seasons of joy. But the teacher knows the importance of building. Yes, there's a time to gather stones, 
a time when we prepare to build. Whatever we build requires work. We build friendships, marriages, families, communities, church fellowships, coalitions, nations. Building is a work. It is essential work. But there's also a time to embrace. We build relationships when we reach out and embrace one another. A hug means so much when a person is hurting. But embracing may be more than a hug. It may be much, much more. Embracing is affirming and supporting. A time to seek, a time to look for opportunities and then be willing to explore them. Do we wish for an opportunity to come our way or do we actively seek it? Notice the active voice here. It is not a passive term. It is a time to seek. A time to keep. That means we need to evaluate what's important and valued. This is a time of careful assessment. A time to sow. To use what is before us to create what is something new or something useful. Or it may be a time to repair and make something useful in a new way. This season of building is a season of new relationships, of affirming, of opportunity, of creating. And in other seasons, we will wisely toss away those stones that hinder us in a better life. Just as we have seasons of building, we have seasons of evaluating, a time to cast away. Some stones in our lives need to be cast away. We clean house, our spiritual house. What we, what we do need to change, what is it we need to change? What is it we need to get rid of? This is a difficult time of decision-making for us personally. A time to refrain from embracing? Wait a minute. He just said we had a time for embracing. How do we know when to embrace and when not to embrace? He's suggesting with sensitivity, we learn when to refrain from embracing or supporting. What should we refuse to support or embrace and when? A time of loss. The Israelites knew what loss was. Much of their story was a story of loss. Loss is a reality. Be prepared. There are times of loss. That was not a part of the picture that I painted when I started today, was it? I proposed a very unrealistic life. But the teacher is being real. There will be loss. There are times we don't get what we seek, and we have to deal with loss. A time to cast away instead of keeping, he says. Sometimes we evaluate things, ideas, values. We make decisions to cast away those things that are less important for us. It's a crucial time of decision-making. What's important to me? What do I value? What do I keep? What do I cast away? A time to tear up suggests there are times that instead of creating, we rip apart. We start over. This season of sorting what is meaningful 
may not be a season we choose, but it is nevertheless an essential part of our living. The seasons of life are often complex. For instance, there are times when we need to speak and other times when we need to be silent. Each can be very influential. Our task is to know the best time to have a voice and to know the power of silence. Of course, there are times to love, many times. God is love, and we are the children of God. There's also a time for hate. Well, there are certain things we do not love. We hate injustice. We hate violence. We hate evil. At times, we even hate war. But the teacher says there is a time for war. Certainly, the Israelites had to defend themselves militarily more than once. Peace. Yes, there is time for peace. Peace among nations, peace among families, peace within ourselves. Our problem is that we prefer one kind of season over another. What feelings do you have? When you hear these words, die, pluck up, break down, weep, mourn, cast away, refrain, lose, tear, silence, hate, war. How do you feel now? Do those words or terms draw you closer to God? Or do you withdraw for a while? Do they challenge you? These are not the seasons where we find comfort, are they? We tend to resist them as much as we can. What feelings do you have when you hear these words? Born, plant, heal, build up, laugh, Dance, gather, embrace, seek, keep, sow, speak, love, peace. How do you feel now? Do the words, those words draw you closer to God? Do they make you withdraw from God? Do they challenge you? Yes, these are some of the seasons of life that we enjoy. We even cherish, we even cherish some of these seasons. But there are other seasons we do our best to try to avoid or escape. That's human nature. Not any of us are saints that seek martyrdom. However, we do not always choose our seasons. Our challenge is to make the most of each season, to learn from it, and to grow as a Christian. To be honest, do we really talk about God more during the tough seasons of life than we do the more joyful ones? Is our relationship to God strengthened more as a result of our difficult times than it is during our times of ease? Why don't we talk to God all the times instead of just selected ones? Do we reflect on our difficult times later to see what we have learned and how we grew? Do we reflect on our better times later in the same way 
to see what we have learned and how we grew. All of our seasons lead to discovery if we open that door for them. Both good and bad life events contribute to the fabric of who we are as individuals. Is the line between good life and hard life as clear as we think it is? Sometimes what used to be a hard time, we later decide wasn't as hard as we thought. Or the time that was good wasn't as good as we first imagined it. Our assessment changes because sometimes the line between the good times and the hard times is blurred. Some of you who've lived in Jefferson City for several years may remember Martha Bill Weirman, a businesswoman, wife, and mother who later in life had some serious health issues. After being absent from church for several months, I saw her standing with her cane, was so glad to see her, and I said, oh, Martha Bill, it's good to see you. How are you? And with a smile, she replied, I'm fine, but fine ain't what it used to be. Martha Bill nailed the seasons of life. Sometimes our understanding of our experiences change because we have a different perspective. Sometimes the line separating the easy and the difficult periods is quite blurred, and we must change our perspective on what we thought was quite clear. Our challenge is to be sure that whatever comes down our path, it leads us to becoming a better person and a better child of God. <laughs>